Well, good morning. How are you today? It's great to see you on this President's Day weekend. Want to welcome those watching online at our Southeast campus. They're gathering today. It is thrilling to see so many people here. So it's one of those four or five day weekends where we're the ones who didn't get to go to the beach. So it's okay that we all get to be here today and be together. Hey, before we jump in the message, can I just say a few things that just are kind of pastoral for a second? One is we obviously want to uh, stop and just reflect on what took place this week in our country, especially uh, being here in Vegas and understanding. I got emails almost immediately from some of my pastoral friends in Florida who were asking us, like, tell us. You know, what do we need to do? How do we respond? And we're unfortunately, obviously experienced in that. And so we were able to help and to pray. And, and we need to be continuing to pray for them and just in that area and just our country in general. And can I just being pastoral for a moment? Some of you are wondering, like, how can you respond? Let me tell you not how not to respond. Some of you just need to stop for a moment. And as I've watched a little social media stuff floating around, just, we just need to be careful, don't we, right now? We just need to, to think about the fruit of the Spirit for a few minutes. We need to think about things like compassion. Because guess what? In a little while, like in a half an hour, because we have this crazy value at the crossing called come as you are, you're going to literally pass communion, which is the most, the most sacred thing that we do. And listen, if you're like one of those Fox News, far-right people, you're going to hand your tray to a lib today, probably, standing next to you, all right? And if you're one of those libs, you might hand yourself to, to hand your communion tray to somebody on the other side, because we are not that. We are a community of the kingdom of God. And I would just encourage you. Some of us, we act like Jesus in this room and on Facebook we act like something else. And I just felt a check in my spirit this week, like the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And so when you hit post or you hit share, just, just, I hope you hear my voice. If you can, at least hear God's, hear mine for a moment and just check yourself. Because we have a duty as, the king, as those who are caring for the kingdom of God. We can be involved, we can be engaged, we can have our opinions, we can have the things we believe, but let's not forget who we ultimately believe in. And I think that's really important during this season where we need to come together. Well, today we're continuing our More Than Happy series. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter four, so if you wanna cheat and get ahead or get on the Crossing app. Um, I don't know if I, if, if I gave you this ability what you would do with it, but if for a moment we could pretend I could give you like a magic wand, like a Harry Potter magic wand, and you could make anything in your life go away, what would you make go away, all right? For some of you, it would be work, right? Your job, like if I could just, you know, or your boss, if I could just wave the magic wand, right? For some of you, it might be a physical thing, like uh, something that's giving you pain or a habit that you've been wrestling with that you wish you could just wave the wand and make it go away. For some of you, it's debt or financial strain that you, miss, you wish you could just wave the magic wand and go away. For some of you, it might be a person. They may be sitting next to you right now, so don't look at them. But you think my life would just be so much easier if I could just get them out of my life, then I would have 
some freedom. Well, today I want to talk to you for a few minutes about an issue that Paul talks about that's both universal for all of us and, and actually very personal for myself. It's a challenge that I wish I could wave a magic wand over and have it disappear. I read an article recently that said this. It said, although we are more wealthy, more healthy, and have a greater sense of liberty than the previous generation, we are 20% more Anxious. 20% more anxious. Now, we know that if something increases by 10% over a generation, it's considered an epidemic. So if we're looking at 20% more anxiety, we have an anxiety epidemic right now. And if you don't suffer personally from high anxiety, you at least know someone who does. And if you're a parent of a, teach, of a teenager or student today, you need to know that our students are suffering from anxiety at an alarming rate. This is a true stat. I looked it up like five times, okay? It's on the internet. It's true, all right? <laughs> Here's what it says. The average high school student today has the same rate of anxiety as a psych psychiatric patient from the 1950s. Yeah, wow. That should be alarming to us. So people that they would put in insane asylums in the 1950s are now walking around your homes and our high school campuses because of the level of anxiety that they are experiencing. In fact, America in general is just anxious. We are more anxious pretty much more than any other country on planet Earth. We have learned that if someone immigrates to America from another country, they naturally get more anxious. They become more anxious just by being here. And there's a lot of benefits of being here, but you get the anxiety that comes along with it. Airplanes give me anxiety. Some of you, you understand that, right? And, and the weird part is I fly a lot. I fly a lot, and it just never seems to go away. I get on the plane, I'm walking down the aisle, I'm looking at people, I'm thinking, these people look like people on a plane that's going to crash, <laughs> right? I can just see their faces in the newspaper next to mine. You know, these people died, right? And I sit down, and I buckle, and I listen to music, I put my beats on, and I try to read, and I'm calm, and I'm praying for no turbulence. And it doesn't matter how many flights I've been on. When that binging starts in the middle of your flight, and the, the, the flight attendants scurry to put away the drink carts, and the seatbelt lights going on, my anxiety level goes through the roof. Why? Because we're, we're traveling at 300 plus miles an hour in a small tube at 35,000 feet, Right? Some of you think that's silly, but you still understand what anxiety is. You're no stranger to it either. Nighttime is the worst. It's 2.30 in the morning. You can't sleep. You pound the pillow. You adjust the blankets. You roll on one side or the other. Nothing seems to work. Everybody else is sleeping. Your spouse has been in dreamland for hours. Your dog is curled up at the foot of the bed snoring. Everyone is asleep. Everyone, that is, except for you. Crazy thoughts are rolling through your head as you draw mental pictures on the ceiling. Thoughts about work. Thoughts about your kids. Thoughts about those parents that are getting older that you need to take care of. Thoughts about your future. How will things work out? Will I ever meet someone? Will I lose my job? Or my personal favorite, will I die broke and alone? 
And then you feel a twinge or a twitch in your neck and a new pang of anxiety hits you. It's a tumor. I know it. I've got a tumor in my neck, right? I got to go to the doctor. I'm going to be on chemo. My dad had chemo. Will the insurance pay for it? I don't know. It's 2.30 in the morning. I have cancer. And these thoughts rage through your mind like a tornado. They suck all the peace from the room. The numbers on your alarm, alarm clock are the only light in the room. And you feel like that may be the only light in your life. You're panicking. You cover your head with a pillow. What a mess. But what does all this anxiety mean? All this restlessness, all this feeling of insecurity, all this panic that you may be feeling... I think it means simply this. You are human. Deep sigh of relief. You are human. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean even that your parents failed you, though they may have, or vice versa. And this is most important for you to hear. When you feel that anxiety, when you feel that stress that leads to panic, when you feel paralyzed by that, it does not mean that you are not a follower of Christ. Christians battle anxiety. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes today. And when we're in the middle of this more than happy series... And though there's no magic wand that can make anxiety go away, Paul actually has some insights that's going to hopefully help us find joy in the midst of the anxiety that we may be experiencing. So let me define it, and then let me describe it for you. Anxiety is simply this. It's the present emotion of inner turmoil produced by the uncertainty of the future. Produced by the uncertainty of the future. And we feel that. Anxiety has, has that sense of definition, but we also can describe it, right? It has side effects. And whether you, you, you struggle with it or not, here's how you might know. Let me, let me describe some physical things that might start to show you whether you have anxiety or not. Here, here's what you may be feeling. Uh, headaches, muscle pain, tension, sleep disturbance. Tightness felt in the body, especially through the head, neck, jaw, face, chest pain, ringing in the ears, excessive sweating, shaking, trembling, cold chills, hot flashes, accelerated heart rate, numbling, teeming, tingling, upset stomach, nausea, shortness of breath, feeling like you're going insane, dizziness, or feeling faint. If any of that's you, you may have anxiety, all right? I may have given you anxiety in that last five seconds. Some of you are like, I didn't know I had anxiety, but I feel like I do now. Here's how I think it is, really. It's like this. I asked them to get me this rock last week. It's actually a lot more heavy than, than it appears, right? But I'm an elite athlete, so I can handle it, right? <laughs> but here's how anxiety feels for a lot of us, right? It feels like a weight. It feels like something that we carry around. It's the thoughts, right? It's the kids. It's the finances. It's, it's the future, it's all, these, it's all the violence, we get anxiety. And we try to go through our day, right? And, and I can carry this around for a while. But eventually, as I'm trying to do my life and have conversations and I'm sitting at the coffee shop, it's going to get a little awkward, right? And so here's what we do. We find something to slide our anxiety in. I've got a backpack today. So we take our anxiety, because it's not cool to kind of display it all the time, and we, and we do this with it, right? 
We put it on like a middle schooler with trapper keepers, right? Remember that? You used to fill your backpack and, and it'd be like overflowing. It's weighing you down and you're walking around your middle school, your junior high. And people are saying like, man, that looks heavy. What do you got in the bag? And you're like, it's fine. It's like the Christian F word. It's fine. It's fine, right? I'm fine. We're all fine. We're just walking around with this weight. <coughs> and when we think about it, <coughs> excuse me, it's just, it's heavy, but it's hidden. It's there, but it isn't. We can deny it. We carry it around. Now, I'm not going to carry this around for the rest of the time we're together, but I'm going to set it down, which is not what most of us get to do with our anxiety. Mostly, we just carry it around and around and around. But here's what I want you to know, and I want to give you this main idea up front, and then we're going to jump in the scripture. It's basically this. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. Okay? You're human. A certain amount of anxiety can even be good. It motivates us. It drives us. But the prison of anxiety is optional. And if anyone had any reason to be anxious, it was Paul. I mean, think about Paul. Let your imagination just take you back 2,000 years in time, and you picture this old man as he gazes out the window of a Roman prison. He's about 60 years old, He's been a follower of Christ for about 30 years. He's probably hunched over a bit as he looks out the window from all the miles that he's traveled and the beatings he's endured with lashes and with rods. There's scars stretched across his back like spider webs. He's been left for dead. He's been abandoned by friends. He's been shipwrecked. He's experienced storm and starvation. And now he sits in prison awaiting trial before the brutal Roman Emperor Nero. And he's also got this weight of all these small little baby new churches that he's planted all over that region. And they're full of people and they're full of bickering and they're full of division and problems and things that churches have. His future is pretty gloomy, but the words we're about to write, it would seem like Paul's just checked into an all-inclusive Cancun resort. Because in Philippians 4, we read these words. Most of you are familiar with them, but I want you to read them again today as if they're fresh. It says, Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Emphasis, emphasis, emphasis. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we're going to come back to that, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, the peace of God, which doesn't make sense, the peace of God, which blows my mind, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul's doing. He's sharing some perspective from his personal prison that will keep us out of the personal prison of anxiety. There's two or three thoughts I want to share with you before we're done today. The first one is this, and it's important that we start here and build. It's this, is God is always in control. In the midst of my anxiety and my racing mind and the, all the stress that I feel, God is always in control. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Sometimes the idea of joy and rejoicing is difficult, but when we rejoice in the Lord, and he repeats it, and the phrase he uses in the Greek says rejoice in the sense of do it now and do it again and make it ongoing. 
this rejoicing over and over and over again. When we rejoice in the Lord, basically what we're saying is God is always in control. And this verse is a call, not to a feeling, but to a decision and a deep confidence that God exists and he's good and he's in control and we rejoice in that. And we use a big word to talk about this. It's this word, sovereignty. Say it with me. And when you go to brunch today, just say, I feel God is sovereign to your server, all right? And they'll be like, whoa, blow my mind, right? God is sovereign. That's a big word that we use. It really just describes God's perfect involvement and control of all things. And in going after our anxiety, a proper understanding of God's sovereignty is huge. Because anxiety is often the consequence of perceived chaos in us and a loss of control. Driving at rush hour may confirm that. When you're in gridlock on the 215, it may confirm this loss of control, right? We may know how to drive, but the idiot in the next lane obviously doesn't. Can't control him. We may, be, we may have a great driving record, but the texting teenager next to you may be the death of you. There's no predictability. There's, there's stress. We feel helpless. But sovereignty says this. Sovereignty says, he's got this, right? So when your mind's racing and panic starts to set in, sovereignty says, he's got this. And it stabilizes our soul, keeps us out of that prison of anxiety, and we rejoice in that. Now, I'm about to share with you the deepest, most important thought you will hear this weekend, right? You didn't go to the beach. You get this, all right? You ready? Okay, here it is. He is God and you are not. He is God and you are not. Here's what Jeremiah has to say about this. He says, blessed are those whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is in him. They shall be like, he uses the picture of a tree, a tree planted by the water, sending out its root by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes. Its leaves shall stay green. In other words, healthiness. In the year of drought, it is not what? Anxious. And it does not cease to bear fruit. Guys, listen. Our anxiety increases as our perceived control diminishes. There's a close relationship with our pride, God's sovereignty, and our level of anxiety. And all of us at times struggle with pride. Sovereignty says, he's got this. Pride says this, I got this, right? I got this. Now, we're not, we're not proud about our anxiety. We feel shame about our anxiety, but we feel proud about whatever our anxiety is in. Somehow I, me, I have to handle the future. I've got to be the one to need all, meet all the needs of my child. I've got to be the one to fix outcomes. I've got to handle this. Pride is about me controlling things. But our anxiety decreases as God's control, as we allow God's control to increase in our life. His sovereignty, he's got this, not our pride. I've got this. But he's got this doesn't mean we got nothing, all right? Doesn't mean that. 
doesn't mean we don't, get to, we don't have to control anything. We need to control the things, and this is important for you guys that are really wrestling with anxiety. It's been so helpful in my own life. We need to control the things we can control and let God control the rest. There are three common sources of anxiety. I think there are three. It's like kids and family, job, money, right? Those, those are if you kind of barrel it down, right? So think about your kids. What are the things you can control? You can control the environment that you set in the home. You can control some of the environments like this that you bring them into where they're exposed to things. You can control some of the activities that they participate in. But you can't control the outcomes of your child, right? I mean, I look around and I see parents that are awesome and their kids are idiots, right? They did everything that they could control. Some of you are like, yes, I got one of those. They did everything that I, they could do well and it just... It, it's, right? You can't control that. And I see parents that are terrible and their kids are awesome. It doesn't seem right. Like they screw everything up and their kids turn out awesome, right? It's because we can only control the things we can control. We're not sovereign. God is in control. Think about your work. You can show up on time. You can be productive. You can be easy to get along with in the workplace. You can do those things, right? You can't control your boss. You can't control whether the company gets sold. You can't control the hours that you're given. Think about the, your finances. What can you control? You can control your budget. You can control the amount of debt you have. You can control your, how much you save, your generosity. Can you control the economy? Of course not. Can you control the stock market? No way. Can you control when your engine blows up in your minivan? But in our finances, we control the things we can control. So our anxiety decreases when the things that are out of control happen in our life. Because God is sovereign and we are not. Here's the second thing that Paul says. He says this. God is also always accessible. So it's not just that he's in control, but he's accessible. He says, let, the gentle, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near Okay, the Lord is near. And in your, in your Bibles or in your version, there's verse 6 here. I've got this guy that works for me, Josiah. He's hilarious. One day he came in. He said, the Bible verses are all wrong. I'm going to renumber the Bible verses. All right, they're messed up. I'm like, whoa, dude, have, have a go at it, all right? But he's actually right in this case. Because if you look down at the scripture where they inserted a verse, that isn't really, sometimes when we read those verse numbers, it feels like a break, right? And it's not supposed to be there. It really should read like this. The Lord is near... Do not be anxious, right, about anything. Because God is always accessible. He's always near. And so because of that, we pray, right, in every situation, by prayer and petition. It's the cocktail for overcoming anxiety, right, is that you pray. And some of you are like, oh, I knew you were going to get there, Lee, like simple, right? I'm panicking and you want me to pray. Well, yes. What if we replace our anxiety with prayer? But Paul doesn't just say that. He says it's not just basic prayer. He says it's combined with thanksgiving, with gratitude, where we present our drama to God. Because he's sovereign and we are not. And so it's this attitude of, of thanksgiving in which we do that. Because gratefulness looks at where I'm at now, what I have now, and it reminds me to be grateful. It causes our fear of the future to snap back into reality, right? You may fear how your kids are going to grow up and end up, but you look right now and you go, okay, and kind of navigate them, right? Yeah, I've got a 14-year-old daughter, but I can navigate her right here at this moment, right? 
You gotta trust the process. And prayer helps us to do that. It helps us to have a place to lay our anxiety. It helps us to be grateful. Trust the process. It means we have to wait. Levi Lesko is a pastor here in, in, in uh, Montana, and he says, he said, he calls it, I love this, he calls it a hot pocket mentality. He says it's when we, we need a quick meal and we throw a hot pocket and we take it out and we quickly stick it in our mouth and we burn the roof of our mouth on a hot pocket, right? Because we're in such a hurry that we need a quick meal and then we can't even wait for it to cool down before we stick it in our mouths, right? It's that hot pocket mentality. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hurry up. I want to control. I need this to be done. God is always in control. God is always accessible, You can trust the process that it's actually working by looking at what you currently see and be filled with gratitude, even though there are other things that are presently really blurry and uncertain. And what that does, Paul says, is here's the result. It brings this peace, the peace of God, which doesn't make sense. And some of you are nodding right now because you've experienced this peace. It transcends all understanding. And he says, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When I read that word guard last week, you know what I thought of? I thought of this. Like some of you have been at basketball camp. It's like this. Like, you ever see like the Duke Blue Devils, right? Or the Running Rebels, right? When they're going to go full court in basketball and they slap the court and they're like, we're going to guard the ball. Like nothing's getting past us. We're going to make it so difficult for you to advance. That's what I saw when I read that. It's like the peace of God is going to go full court press. It's going to guard your heart, right? And you're not even going to be able to understand it while you're driving around and there's craziness around you. People are turning left and they're stealing your parking spot at Starbucks. You're not even going to, you're going to be like, I have peace. Because the peace of God transcends all understanding. And it will guard your heart and your mind. So if I believe God is sovereign, and I believe God is accessible through prayer, it still, believe, it still leaves a very important question that you may already be jumping ahead and asking. It's simply this. Does God even care? Right? Because God can be in control and still not care. God can be near and still not care. My boss is in control, and he doesn't care. My boss is in the office down the hall, and he doesn't care. He's nearby. How can I know that God even cares for me? And if you're asking that question, it's the right one. And Peter actually echoes Paul's words about anxiety and regarding his own anxiety. Here's what Peter said in his letter. He said this, humble yourself. There's that pride thing again. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Then what? Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Cast it on him. Throw it onto him. Take it off your shoulders and literally put it on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So you can take all this stuff that weighs you down and you want to carry around. You say, What has God ever done that would make me think that he cares for me? Seriously? Seriously? Peter says he cares for you. At the core of our faith is a cross. And what makes the cross awesome is not just what God said, but that God was willing and what he did. It was the fact that he was willing to go the distance to carry you. 
He's not numb to your anxiety. He wants to carry it. Jesus walked the planet as a human being so that he could feel the same anxieties that you feel. Experience that and then go to a cross because he cares for you. And it's so crucial to the, man, it's heavy. He's so crucial to the conversation because it's not just a cross, but three days later we have an empty tomb. We have a resurrected Savior. So when Paul says there's a peace that passes all understanding, and Peter says to cast all your cares on him, it's because the cross is front and center, and he cares for you. So what are you waiting for? Why are you still, why are you still doing this? Why are you still letting it weigh you down? Take the very thing that's weighing you down and literally cast it on him. Literally take it. Cast it. The cross, this nail, I hope it holds because I'm getting anxious. All that stuff. Just take it and place it where God said to bring it. Cast it on him. All your worries, real and imaginary, and you can get a hold of that peace that Paul was talking about. When you're staring at the ceiling in the middle of the night and you're fixating on the thing you can't deal with, that you can't control, and you think it's your responsibility, you need to give a, get above it for a moment. Get way up there. And remember, you have a God who cares for you that went to a cross, and he is sovereign. And it's real. It was real for Peter. I mean, he, he wrote about his anxiety. Imagine the anxiety when you deny Christ. And in those days where he waited, and then Jesus said, hey, Peter, come and talk to me. Peter's thinking, this is it. And he sits down, and Jesus says, Peter, I care for you. I care for you. Be the rock by which I'll build my church. Think about Paul. You think he didn't know that, that Jesus cared for him? When he persecuted the church with a passion, he was killing and imprisoning Christians, and he's on this desert road to Damascus, and Jesus cares enough to show up and say, Paul, I care for you. And there's a peace that, that transcends all understanding that you can have. I mean, it was real for this guy, right? I mean, like 10 years ago, I found myself in the mornings going into my walk-in closet and laying face down in the carpet and just panicking, just weeping and going, I, I don't think I can go to work today, right? And some of you are like, if you meet me in the lobby and like you should have just trusted Jesus, I'm going to punch you in the face, all right? all right? In Jesus' name, but I'm going to punch you in the face. Because if you don't get it, you don't get it. Those days where I was paralyzed with panic and anxiety and couldn't even think about what I could do next. And what I had to get to the point was that I understood he cares for me. Control what you can control. Lay down your pride. And work through that. Some of you in this room today, you felt that. I had to get, I had to get medication. Pastors can't have medication. Listen to me. If God, if God has to use some of that for some of you that are in that place, you need to do that. God provides that, that healing. I was so far under zero, they said. We got to give you medication just to get you to zero so we can get you here. Right? You're like, here. And thankfully, don't have to do that anymore. But if God uses that in your life, please don't walk away from that. Please be aware of where that needs to happen in your life because of, you may be suffering from severe anxiety or depression or panic attacks. But you can cast it on him because he cares for you.
he cares for you. He's always in control. He's always near. And ultimately, he always cares. And anxiety stems from carrying something you weren't meant to carry. If you're feeling that today, it's because you haven't done this in some ways. Oh, will it still show up? Absolutely. Remember what we said at the beginning? Anxiety, right? It's the prison. It's not optional, but it's avoidable. And peace comes from casting off the things you weren't meant to control. It's not God's will for you to lead a life of perpetual anxiety. He wants you to have joy. It's not his will that you will face every day with dread and panic and nervousness. He made you for a life that, that will breathe with joy. He has a new chapter. He's ready to write it. Some of you have experienced it. Some of you need to experience it. So the question you need to wrestle with today and every day is what am I gonna do with today? Am I gonna try and carry something I wasn't meant to carry? Or am I gonna cast my anxiety on the one who cares for me? We're going to do something right now in this moment. We're going to receive communion. And it's so appropriate as we do that. As the lights go down and they start to serve, I want you to stay in this moment with me, will you? Here's what I want to ask you to do today. I want to ask you to take the bread, the cracker, and the cup, and I want you to just hang on to it. Normally, I know you kind of take it. I want you to hang on to it. I'm going to come back, and I want to lead you through this communion. Here's why this is important, because today I want you just to pause. We have time, right? We have time today. We plan for you to have time to do this. Because the anxiety that you may have experienced or you may be feeling, you need to stop right now and cast it on him. And as you hold these elements over the next few moments, I want to ask you just to be still and to cast the anxiety. Name it. Be clear. And allow God to bring joy because he cares for you and he wants to love on you. Father, I just pray right now as we receive communion. That as we hold these elements in our hands and together as a community, we just hold them close. God, I just pray that you would allow us to lay it on you. The peace that you give, God, I pray that it would just come into our hearts right now. God, I pray for those in this room that are wrestling, they're panicking. They had a rough night last night, a rough week, a rough year. God, I pray right now that transformation could just begin to peek in on their lives. God, we ask it in Jesus' name.